Hi everyone, Demetrius McRae here, your online campus pastor here at Calvary Christian Center. Welcome to our podcast. As we are in our season of healing, just so you know, we are worshiping on campus and making sure that our worship experiences are safe and sanitary. May today's message bring healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. Here to the sanctuary of Calvary Christian Center. I'm so excited for all that God has done in this experience online, but I'm telling you, I feel like God is about to speak a word. God's about to do something through his word and impact your life today. Uh, Welcome everybody once again. I'm so excited to preach. My name is Pastor Josh. I'm the associate pastor right here at Calvary Christian Center, and God has a word just for you. But before I preach, I just want to remind you of something that God has put so deep down in my spirit this week, that he's the God who can and he is the God who can't. I know that sounds very contradictory of God, but the truth is God is the kind of God that can do anything, but he is the kind of God that cannot fail at anything either. The truth is today you don't serve some mere God, but you serve the God that is above every God with a name that's above every name and God can do anything. He can heal you, touch you, deliver you, come right to where you are, but he is also the God that can't and will never fail you. I don't know about you today, but I'm excited to serve that kind of God today. And as we approach his word, I pray you are ready for impact on another level in Jesus' name. Are you ready for the word? If you're ready for the word in the comments, why don't you just type the word, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready in the word. Yes, you're ready for the word. Well, if you're ready, I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, we're going to read just a few verses. We're in a season of healing, and I believe God's got a healing word. A healing word, a hard word, but a healing word uh, that he wants to bring right directly to you. Grab your notepads, grab your book, grab your books, every grab your Bibles, everything you need to get from God today, what God has prepared for you. All right, let's go to the word of God today. Are you ready? This is what the word of God would say. Second Kings chapter five, verses one through three, and then verse 14 says this. And now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor. But Naaman was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, watch this, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Skip down to verse 14. And so he, Naaman, went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh, watch this, was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I want to take just a moment in this season of healing to preach a message from God's heart to your heart, a message that God is saying it's time for you to get down with your bad self. I don't know who you are or what you bring to the bring to the table or bring to the surface every time you show up any place. But the truth is today, God knows who you really are and he's ready to heal you in every way. He wants you to get down with your bad self. Let me pray real quick. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for who you are. Speak now. Lord, touch your people. Lord, we're ready to hear your voice in Jesus' name. Somebody who believes it, shout amen. If there's anything I believe you have to understand is that we must get back to being a people that pursue God. 
Pursuing God is not something that God simply asks us to do. He commands us to do it. He said, seek me and you'll find me. We must get back to pursuing God. I believe that the greatest tragedy that has hit the American church and a lot of believers in the times that we live in is that we have taught you to come to church, but we have not taught you to pursue God. Pursuing God is a powerful thing because the truth is you will never really know God if you don't pursue God. Come on, somebody. Say amen right there. The truth is you will never really know God if you don't pursue God. God must be pursued not for the sake of experience, but for the sake of knowledge. Oh, I'm going to say it again. God must be pursued not for the sake of experience, but for the sake of knowledge. It's why the Apostle Paul would say it like this. Oh, that I might know him. Notice that the Apostle Paul did not say, oh, that I might feel him. Because the truth is in this room is that the apex of our faith is not to feel God, but it's to know God. Oh, hallelujah. I said the apex of faith is not to feel God, it's to know God. I want you to feel God. I want you to understand God. I want you to have encounters with God. I want you to have experiences with God. But the truth is, the greater thing that can ever happen in an experience is that you walk away from the experience with some greater knowledge of who God is. Because here's what I know about the experience. The experience may last for 45 minutes. The experience may last a Sunday. But the truth is, the revelation is going to be there beyond the experience. The revelation is going to be there on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if we are going to be people of pursuit. Before we pursue the feeling, let us pursue by faith the one who produces the feeling in our lives. I came to let somebody know in this season, we have got to become people who once again pursue a God who is eager to be found. If you believe it, I dare you to type amen right there in the comments. We must pursue God. God must be pursued. Why? Because the nature of God, the very nature of God, the very character of God is a force to be reckoned with. Oh, come on, somebody. I said the nature of God, the force is a force to be reckoned with. Who he is is greater than what he does. And I know that we can easily get wrapped up in what God does. But the truth is in this room today, the truth is in the room where you're sitting, wherever you're watching, is that who he is is greater than what he does. And as much as we love to seek his hand, I pray that we would become a generation that becomes enamored with seeking his face. His nature is a force to be reckoned with. He is a God who is a sovereign God, an omniscient God. He's an omnipresent God. He is a God that knows all and is in all and is above all. But the truth is, one of the greatest things we could ever come into knowledge of concerning God himself, especially in a season of healing, is to understand who God is when he first showed up on the scene. Because in the book of Genesis, long before he shares anything with us about who he is in the nature of omnipresence or omniscience, the first thing he wanted us to know is that he is a creator. Oh, that's good news for somebody. That's good news for everybody watching me today. Because the truth is he's a creator. And he didn't just stop being a creator in the book of Genesis. He is a creator today, which means this, that it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. God can take bad things and turn them for good. I will wish I had about a hundred people in the chat that would say he's about to turn it. Come on, somebody. Come on, say he's about to turn it for my good. He is not the God who can't not create any longer, but he is the God that no matter how it looks and how it feels and where you are in your body and where you are in your mind and where you are in your family and where you are in your struggle, he is the kind of God who can take all things and turn them for your good and create for you a way where there is no way. I dare you to take about three 
three seconds and just type amen because I came to prophesy that it may look bad and it may feel bleak, but I declare in this season, you're about to see God create because God has never stopped being a creator and he can create for you. Somebody who believes it, shout amen right there where you are. God is a creator. He is the God that can create, but I just didn't come to tell you that he can create. I came to tell you how he creates. Because when God gets ready to create anything, God doesn't create like men create. Mm -hmm. Because when men create anything, we need our hands. We need raw materials. We need our hands to put things and piece parts of the puzzle together to make and create. But when God gets ready to create, he doesn't have, he doesn't use his hands. In fact, he'll put his hands right behind his back and use his mouth. Oh, hallelujah. Because when God gets ready to create, he creates with his words. The Bible says that the worlds were, were framed by the word of God. One word from God can shift everything and create something. One word from God in this season can bring healing on every level and any level. One word from God can reverse a doctor's report. Come on, somebody. One word from God can reverse a bad marriage. One word from God can turn a rebellious child. One word from God. And sometimes it's not just in what you need God to do. It's in what you need God to speak. And I declare as you sit down and pray in this season that you're going to say, God, say something. Because when God speaks, everything shifts and change. You don't believe me? Look at the first uh, declaration of God in the Bible. He said, let there be light. One of the most powerful revelations in the word of God is a three-letter word, L-E-T, because the truth is if God ever says let over everything, over anything, whatever had you has to let you go. It has to let you out. It has to let you free, and it has to let whatever he declared come into your life. I, I just dare somebody in the chat right now to type the word let. Let there be finances. Let there be peace in my home. Let there be peace in my mind. Let there be healing in my body. Come on, somebody. This is a season of healing. I declare you to use your mouth uh, as those that have dominion authority in the earth and say, let, let there be. God speaks and creates with his mouth. He has let. And the good news about God's let is it's never lost. God's let has never lost. God's let is still letting. How do you know that, Pastor Josh? Because when I look at the stars and I look at the, the moon and I look at the sun, when I look at the rotation of the earth, I see that the thing he said let to a long time ago is still letting. Do you not understand that when God speaks and creates for your life, no demon can stop him, no, no devil can hold it back, and no force of hell can keep it from coming to pass because of how God creates. God said, let, and I know what you're, what you're thinking. When God creates, he creates with his words. Well, Pastor Josh, I have a hard time hearing his voice. I get it. So many people I talk to in so many places talk to, their, talk to me about their inability to hear his voice, or they ask me the question, Pastor Josh, how do I hear God better? And I tell this, long before you hear his voice, you can read his voice because the power of God's word wasn't left just in God's mouth. The Holy Spirit inspired men along the way to write a voice that perhaps sometimes your ears cannot hear. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching a little bit today. He said, I'm going to give you my word in another way. And if you will know this word, this word will have as much power as my spoken word. If you know this word, you can use this word against the devil and he has to flee. You can use this word against principalities and 
and they have to go. You can use this word and loose peace in your house and healing in your body because this word is not an abstract word. This word is a direct, oh, hallelujah, resource from the source of God's mouth itself. If you're thankful for the word of God, I dare you to say I'm thankful. I dare you to clap your hands a little bit. I dare you to say thank you, God, for your word. If you're thankful for the word of God, somebody shout or type amen. The truth is today is that when God creates, he creates with his word. Anything that God establishes, no matter the situation, he establishes through his word. And I came to tell somebody today, you will always win with the word. You will always, in a season of healing, one of the most valuable resources you will ever bring to any situation is your knowledge of the Word of God. You will always win with the Word. My fear is is that perhaps the reason why some of us are not winning and perhaps the reason why some of us are not finding healing is because we don't know enough Word to win. We don't know enough scripture to fight against anything that the enemy would bring or any disease that would come into our bodies. And sometimes we have to get back to the places where we are the kind of people who desire to know God, yes, and but to know his word secondarily. I pray in this season that you would become a lover of God's word in a fresh and new way because you will always win with the word. In fact, the truth is the enemy will only fight you using the word that you heard but didn't apply because the enemy only has access to unapplied word. I know that's deep, y'all, but let me show you what I mean. The enemy only has access to unapplied word in your life. It's dangerous to come to church. It's dangerous to show up in buildings. It's dangerous to listen to podcasts. It's dangerous to jump online if you are going to listen to messages and hear messages but not apply messages because the enemy has access to unapplied word. You don't believe me? Ask Eve. When the enemy came to Eve, he came to Eve with what she had heard but not applied. He said, did God say? He used exactly what God said, but perhaps what she did not hear to to show her and deceive her and come against her. But I declare in this season that there there is going to be a people that arise that that don't just want to know God and love God. They're going to love his word and apply his word because when you take God's word and you apply it, everything begins to change and you have weapons to use against the enemy, especially in a season of healing for your life. The power of God's word. You will always win with the word, especially applied word. Let me, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you an example. We live in Florida, y'all. And some of you watching me, maybe watching me from distance, but right here where I'm at is Florida and it's summer and it's hot. In fact, most of the time it's hot. Oh yeah. It's hot all the time in Florida. I'm sweating right now. In fact, when I moved to Florida, uh, I I don't believe I've stopped sweating since I've come here. Uh, Florida is a hot place. And because it's so hot and we have beaches and all this stuff, people wear sunscreen. Sunscreen is a normal thing in Florida. You can find it anywhere and everywhere. In fact, the other day, you could go to a store. I went to a store and you could get food. You could get all this stuff and your sunscreen all in one place. But the truth is this, this is the revelation is I can go buy the sunscreen. I can buy my favorite bottle of sunscreen. But the truth is I could go stand out on the beach and still get sunburned. 
Why? Because it doesn't work just because I have it in my hand. It only works when I get it out of my hand and onto my life. And the same is true of the Word of God in yours. If we are going to find healing in every way, if you're going to find what you need in every way, at some point in time as a believer, you're going to have to get the Word just out of your hand or off of your coffee table or out of your bookshelf, and you're going to have to read it and apply it. Because when you apply Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, devils flee. When you apply the Pauline epistles or the Pentateuch, all oh, demons flee because nothing works better than the Word of God for your life, especially if you're finding healing. Somebody ought to give God some praise that the Word still works. I feel that in my spirit to tell somebody who's watching me, the Word still works. Don't let them fool you into thinking that this is a dated book or an outdated book. This Word still works for every situation. I feel the anointing for every problem, for everything that's happening in your life. There is a remedy. There is an answer that you can find in the Word. And I declare as you apply the Word, you will win in life and find success as you obey the plans and purposes of God for your life. Somebody shout or type amen right there where you are. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm thankful for the Word. And I just spent all that time talking to you about who God is, our pursuit of God in this season of healing, the Word of God to bring you into this moment. Why would God give us His Word? Not just that he gave us the word, but why would God give us his word? Why? Because most people don't even understand that first and foremost, and if I could be real deep in, in just a moment, for just a moment, I want to let you know that first and foremost, the reason he gave us his word is because he's a king, and every king and kingdom needs a constitution. Oh, hallelujah. That this book is greater than just some stories and some narratives and some inspirational scripture. This is a constitution to a kingdom that we cannot see but are called to manifest. And the truth is in this room, if, if you are a believer, if you have the constitution, whatever you decree and declare that the king has already decreed and declared, it will be established in your life. That's what the enemy's most afraid of when it comes to the word. He's afraid of you knowing that if you decree and declare this word, that it can be performed in your life as a citizen, son and daughter of the kingdom of God. But I will digress from that revelation for just a moment to tell you that perhaps God gave us the word because he wanted us to have wisdom. There is power in wisdom. If I told you that you would win with the word, ultimately, I want you to know that you will always win with wisdom. Why? Because even in a season of healing, you have to know that wisdom prevents wounds. Mm -hmm. Wisdom will prevent wounds. Wisdom prevents future wounds from coming to your life. If you have wisdom, you'll know who to date and who not to date, who to marry and who not to marry, where to send your kids to school. You'll understand how to handle that teenager, how to handle that young person. With wisdom, you'll know what job to take and what job not to take. And if you can get wisdom, you indeed are preventing future wounds. And if you can prevent future wounds, whatever current wound you have can be healed. Oh, hallelujah. I want to say that again. If you can prevent future wounds with wisdom, then the current wounds you carry, now you open up a window for God to heal those wounds that you're carrying right now. The Word of God is powerful, but God has given it to us for wisdom. Are you getting the wisdom from God's Word? Because the truth is, God gave us all their experiences in the Bible so that you could have wisdom from another world. Wisdom from another world. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? In other words, you can read David, see David's sins, and never have to go through what David went through because of the wisdom you glean from David's experience. Peter is a denier of Christ, but God gives us the story of his denial so that we can take wisdom from Peter's experience and never walk through what Peter went through. 
I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the word of God that provides wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, I just finished my introduction. That's right, my introduction to let you know that the text I bring before you is a healing text, but it's also a wisdom text. It's a healing text, but it's a wisdom text. And most of the time, when you focus on wisdom texts, you go to lofty kings and poets and men and sages of the age. But the truth is, when God shows us this wisdom text, he is not focused on some king or some sage or some high-level poet or philosopher. He is focused on an ordinary, average, mediocre soldier by the name of Naaman. Because the truth is, the historical background on Naaman, before we come into this text, is that Naaman does not start off as the man that is read in 2 Kings 5 with valor and honor. In fact, history teaches us that Naaman was an ordinary soldier. He was a common man who took advantage of an opportunity. Let me stop right there and ask you the question, have you really taken advantage of your opportunity? Have you really taken advantage of the moments God has given you to see healing in your life, to find healing in your body, to step into your next dimension? Have you found your moment? Because the truth is, if you'll learn how to, uh, how to maximize moments, maximizing moments will lead to encountering momentum in your life. And I'll declare that in this season, you're going to step out of just having moments to finding moments that produce momentum for you. Come on, if you're ready for momentum, somebody type momentum in the comments. Comments. Come on, I declare momentum. You're about to get momentum. I know it's a pandemic, but you're going to get momentum. I know that things are crazy in your house, but you're going to get momentum. What kind of momentum? Holy Ghost momentum. The kind of momentum that's going to, yes, you're in it, but that kind of momentum that gets you out and takes you to the next level and moves you further in God. I declare momentum is coming because God is about to give you moments and you're about to maximize the moment. Naaman took advantage of a moment. One moment in the right place, obeying the right thing, took a man from the background to the forefront. How do you know that? Because history teaches us and scripture implies to us that it is his arrow, Naaman's arrow, that brought down King Ahab. One arrow at the right moment in the right direction from a common man took down one of the greatest kings and brought him into destiny because the truth is that's all you need. Yes, you need one moment, but secondly, can I preach this like I feel it? Yes, you need one moment, but you only need one arrow. Oh, hallelujah. You need one arrow in this season to find what you're looking for, to get the healing, to have the ministry, to step into the next dimension. It's not about what you don't have. It's not about who walked away. It's about having a moment, seizing a moment, and using what you have that remains to make a difference because one arrow brought down a king because all you need is one arrow. Stop looking at what left. I feel like preaching. Stop looking at what left you and who walked away from you. Stop crying about what you don't have and take a look at the one arrow that remains because that one arrow, if it's still there, has enough power in it to do everything God wants to do in your life. One arrow can make the difference. One arrow in one moment can take you from backgrounds to forefronts, from no man's land to promised land. One arrow in Jesus' name. And I came to ask you a question. What remains in this season? What do you still got in this season? I know diseases and issues and problems can take a lot away, but the truth is God doesn't use what left you. He uses what's remaining within you. One arrow took Naaman from the background to the forefront. And the truth is I could give you more Bible because the Bible says that David fights a giant and he goes and picks five stones, but to take down the giant, he doesn't need all five. He only needs 
One, just one. Why don't you type that in the comments? Just one, just one gift, just one anointing. It doesn't matter what your daddy did or your mama did. It doesn't matter who walked away from you when you were a kid. The truth is, whatever is remaining in your life has enough power to move you into your purpose, to move you into your healing. One relationship. If that's all that remains and it's godly can take you into a place of healing, a season of healing, a moment of healing. One gift can take you, I feel the anointing, one gift can take you and catapult you into your purpose and your destiny. One little thing and name it with one arrow and one moment releases a shot. And before he knows it, he goes from being an average, ordinary man to a man who has stature in Syria. In one moment, the man that nobody knew becomes the man that everybody knows in just one moment. And before Naaman knows it, he can't even walk down the streets of Syria without being treated like a celebrity. When Naaman walks down the streets, his armor gleams. When Naaman walks down the streets, all the little boys want his autograph. When Naaman walks down the streets of Syria, watch this, all the ladies bat their eyes. Naaman is a popular person underneath his armor. He is a popular person. The name Naaman meant something in Syria. To be Naaman was to be somebody with great stature, great valor, and great honor. But the truth is today, I didn't come to preach all that. Came to preach in this season of healing where the glare of the Holy Spirit is in this text. Because the glare of the Holy Spirit in this text is not on the name and you see in the streets. I feel the, the anointing. It's not on the name and you see on the battlefield. The truth is the glare of the Holy Spirit on this text is on the name and you see behind closed doors. The naming that is the real naming that perhaps nobody in the streets of the battlefield sees. It is a naming that has been struck with something that nobody else is aware of. Because the real point that I wanna bring secondarily into this text is that God looks at the heart while men look at outward appearance. And that God is more concerned with your soul than he is your status with men. God is more concerned about you becoming what you're called to be and instead of you becoming what they want you to be. This text is a powerful text because though we see the stature of Naaman and, the, and all the things that Naaman has accomplished, we see a Naaman who is in a paradox, in a struggle, because the text says for all of his accomplishments, for everything he had achieved, the Bible would let us know that every night he would come into his closed quarters, peel off his armor, only to find that pieces of him had peeled off with it because the text said for all that he had accomplished, but Naaman was a leper. Isn't that amazing? If you really looked at your life and took honest inventory, everybody, everywhere, somebody always has a comma but. Every person watching me, somewhere in your life, there is a contradiction, a comma, but. This, despite all that you do and despite what people perceive you to be, all of us have something underneath of our facade that is aching us and plaguing us and tormenting us. All of us have something we're struggling with. And perhaps what if I told you, it's perhaps one thing that can keep you out of everything God has prepared. 
Perhaps in this, in this moment as you watch me, perhaps you're watching me and you feel the struggle and the ache. What if I told you that sometimes unaddressed one things can keep you out of everything that God has already predestined and prepared as long as it's not confronted? I find it amazing that Naaman is a soldier in this text. Uh, he is a fighter. He is a man of confrontation. Yet when you look at Naaman as a confronter, he is willing to confront everybody else. Oh, hallelujah. Help me do it. He is willing to confront everything else except himself. For all that Naaman has done, he has won every battle he has faced except the battle within. Because Naaman is a leper. And let me tell you, as you watch me, the truth is, for those of you watching me, if you don't deal with the confrontation, you won't conquer what you are trying to confront. If you don't confront yourself, you'll never conquer what's come against you. And in this season, before we go help everybody else heal, before we go do what we're called to do, I feel the voice of the Lord egging me forward today, pushing me to tell you that before we do anything else out there for them, that it's time to take a look at what's under the armor. It's before you confront everything and everybody that it's time to confront you. What's your leprosy? Help me do it, Holy Ghost. What's your leprosy? Because the truth is, the truth is, there is the you that everybody sees, and then there's the real you. There is a you that you project, and then there is the real you. The you behind closed doors. The you without the stuff on, without the armor on. And maybe in this season, God is getting ready to do something big with you. But before he gets ready to do something big with you, he wants to do something big in you. Perhaps before he heals through you, he wants to heal within you. Naaman is a man who's sitting in a paradox between who he is out there and who he is in here. And I came to tell you in this season of healing that it's time for you to get healed within. It's time for the struggle to stop, the ache to quit in your life. No matter what's bothering you, no matter what's plaguing you in your mind, in your heart, no matter the secret sin and the struggle, it is time to confront you because the truth is if you don't confront you, God can't anoint you because God only anoints the real you. Oh, hallelujah. God does not anoint the you that you pretend to be. He anoints the you that you all authentically are. I pray that you would step into the anointing that God has for you, but please know you can never step into all that without God taking inventory and bringing healing. Listen, I'm almost done right here, but the more I looked at this text, I looked at a man who was struggling on the inside, a man who was fighting on the inside, struggling with stuff that nobody else saw except himself. And the truth is in this room is that they may not see it, but God sees it. God sees it all. You can fool people, but you can't fool God. And God is so invested in your future. He's so invested in the purpose that you are that God will slow things down for just a moment just to get you right. Because there is a public you that people see, but there is a private you that God wants to transform. 
He's been trying to change it, trying to fix it. You know, the more I read this text, my heart began to ache for Naaman because he was living as two people in two different ways, the under-armor Naaman and the with-armor Naaman. I began to see that the real struggle in this text, the stress of this text, is trying to watch Naaman live two lives at the same time. The stress emerges of the text, watch this, not with a Naaman who has leprosy, that's not where the stress is. The real stress of this text is not having leprosy, it's hiding the leprosy you have. And some of us are not finding freedom. We are not walking in purpose. We are not stepping into destiny moments because we're up under so much stress of what would happen if they realize I'm not who I say I am. And our response is just like Naaman's. We tried to put something over top of the issue. I'm going to help you find healing today. I'm going to help you find healing today. We put something over top, a facade, a covering, to make sure we can, keep the, we can keep the persona without having to go through the transformation, not knowing that what's underneath the facade is slowly, thank you, Holy Ghost, and surely eating away at the person we're called to be. Somebody's watching me right now. The reason you can't sleep, the reason you struggle to lead on the level is because you're so stressed out because all you're having to do is hide who you really are because you're struggling and fighting. The problem with secret sin is this, and I'm done, is that it robs you from impact. Anything you put between you and them stops you from really helping them. That's why the Bible said, he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. You'll never bring healing to anybody with all that stuff on. That's why the Bible says in John 13, before Jesus washed their feet to make a difference in their life, to make an impartation, the Bible says he stripped. Why? He stripped down to pretty much nothing. Why? Because, because you can't do ministry with all that stuff on. It will rob you of impact because society has told us, I'm in something right now, that the goal is influence. But in the kingdom of God, it may start as influence, but that's not the goal. The apex goal is not influence. The apex goal is impact. That's why God, who was distant from man, holy, set apart from sinful man, had to send a mediator. Jesus had to become what we were, even though he was all God. So the why, why God could touch it and make an impact in it. The death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the gospel message is a message, watch this, not of influence. It's a message of impact. And that same impact is the call of believers. That's why in this season, we've got to find healing. We've got to become healed. But ultimately, that's not just the goal. It's for us to become healed. We got to be impactors. We got to be healers of other people for going to make a difference. Naaman is in a paradox. And so are some of you. Every day trying to hide who they really are and trying to live with the leprosy. 
And if I left the story here, I'm done. If I left the story here, the story is a depressing story of a man living two lives, caught between two worlds, not able to confront himself and God, not able to get him to his purpose. But I'm thankful that the story doesn't end there. I'm thankful that God is not intimidated, hallelujah, by our issues. I'm thankful that God is not intimidated by our problems and our failures. I'm thankful that while people would run if they saw our leprosy, that they may run away, but God doesn't run away. God runs to. He runs to us. I'm thankful that when I'm looking for help, when I really come and say, God, I need help, that he doesn't run from me. He runs to me. I'm thankful for a Holy Spirit that is not intimidated by our infirmities, but has given to us to help our infirmities. Oh, the Holy Ghost is not intimidated by your issues today. He's not intimidated by the thing you need healing from for today. He's not intimidated. In fact, he has come to bring healing. Well, Pastor Josh, I get all that. The Spirit of God helps our infirmities. God wants to heal us. He wants to make a difference. He wants to help the leprosy. Where is it in the text? The Bible says that in a ray they caught a little maid, a little girl, a little girl, watch this, who is not on the outer courts of Naaman's property. She doesn't live in the outer sanctum, but rather she is privy to the very bedchamber of Naaman himself. Uh, when I looked at this little girl, I realized that, that she is a little girl, but she's got big eyes. She sees all and knows all. I, I realize she's a little girl, but she's got big ears. She hears all things. When I looked at it, I realized this little girl was not just a little girl. She is a shadow, a symbol of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I'm thanking God that she's a little girl, but she's got a big voice. I'm thankful that she's the kind of little girl that doesn't keep silent. And if you really understand the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't come to condemn you, but he will come to convict you. And I'm thankful for a little girl who is a symbol of the Holy Spirit in this text that said, Naaman, you don't have to live like that another day. You don't have to live with that disease, that issue, that lust, that failure, that problem. You don't have to live with it. You can be healed. You can find healing. You can go to the next level. This can be a distant memory, but you are going to have to to do some things, Naaman. You can't remain the same and expect change. She said, Naaman, if you would be willing to go down to Samaria, there's a man of God down there that can heal you of the thing you've been struggling with for a long time. And maybe think of the power of the gospel. The gospel is a two-sided coin and unfortunately, we have, for the most part, only preached one side to you. The first side says he loves me, and he does. Come on, are you thankful for the love of God? Are you thankful that God loves you? Come on, he loves you. He's not going to love you. He loves you eternally and already, but that's only half the coin because the real gospel message is not that he loves you because some of us use the fact that he loves us to stay in what we're in and never change. We use grace in the wrong way to stay the same and never be transformed. Because if you flip the coin over and this thing called the gospel, the first side says he loves me, but the second side says, and he doesn't want to leave me where he found me. 
That's the power, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, is that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will tell you what's going on. He will tell you that God has a plan, but he will also show you a way out. A way, watch this, not just a way out, but a way to healing. And that's what I came to tell you. If you're watching me, there is still a way out, and there's a still a way to your healing today. God already knows your issue. He already knows your struggle, and he's ready to, ready to give you healing so that you can become the healer to somebody else. Naaman, if you'll just go down, you'll get healed. Because Naaman, the issue is not your performance on the battlefield or your performance in the street. Hear me. Your issue is not performance, Naaman. Your problem is pride. Sometimes the only thing that keeps us out of being healed is our pride. What will they think? What will they say? How will they react? When I finally take the armor off and I confront myself. Because the truth is, some of us will never move forward, never find healing until we let God confront us behind closed doors. And Naaman has a choice to make, as do you today. Do you stay up in Syria in pride, under armor, but leprous? Or do you humble yourself, peel off the armor as ugly as it may be underneath, I feel God, and say, God, I am humbling myself. I'm about to get down. Oh, hallelujah. I'm about to go low. Because here's what I know about you, God. I've heard that you're the kind of God that even though I go down and it looks like I'm dead, it looks like I'm done, it looks like I'm finished, I hear you're the kind of God that takes crucifixions and burials and turns them into resurrection. Here's what I know about God. If you'll humble yourself before him with no matter how crazy and how dark and how deep the issue is and how problematic the pain is or the disease is, I know if you humble yourself before God, if you'll bring your bad self, God knows how to take you when you're down, heal you while you're down, and raise you back up and bring you into who you're called to be. Naaman, if you'll get down with your bad self, I will raise you up as the person you have always been called to be a person that makes a difference, a person that brings healing, a person of impact uh, that I've already destined for you to become. Naaman, will you get down? And so Naaman has a choice to make. You have a choice to make. Will you stay up or will you go down? Will you find healing or will you continue in the same cycles year after year, month after month? Naaman, will you get down? And Naaman says, I'll go down. And the Bible says he left Syria up here and he went down to northern Israel. Look at Naaman fighting. Uh, he went down, but he still went to northern Israel up. He's trying to fight for his freedom because the truth is, if you really want to get free, if you really want to become healed, you're going to have to, oh, hallelujah, not negotiate for it. Whatever God says and whatever God wants is what's going to produce the healing in this season. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost to tell somebody, this is not a time for you to negotiate. You are too close to destiny. You are too close to your purpose to try to bargain with God. God, free me, but don't make it look messy. That has to be thrown under the window. 
And God, whatever you want me to do. And so Naaman goes down to northern Israel. And the king says, it's not up here. You're going to have to go. Oh, hallelujah. You're going to have to go down to southern Israel. You're going to have to go to southern Israel. You have to go to a prophet's house. And when he goes down to a prophet's house, he knocks on the door expecting to see the prophet who's up here. But when the door opens, it's not an upgrade. It's a downgrade because the person that answers the door is not the prophet. It's the servant to the prophet. And the servant to the prophet says, I know you've been coming down, but you haven't gone down far enough. You haven't gone down far enough. Well, where do I got to go? You got to go down, hallelujah, to a Jordan River, but not just down to a Jordan River. You're going to have to get down in a Jordan River, but not just down in a Jordan River. You got to get down under a Jordan River and not just one time, Naaman. You got to dip seven times, but I promise, Naaman, oh, hallelujah, if you'll get down with your bad self, uh, I declare that when you dip that seventh time, when you come up, uh, all that leprosy, all that anger, all that bitterness, uh, all that unforgiveness, uh, all that lust, come on somebody, all that pain, uh, all that anxiety, I guarantee you, name it, if you obey me, if you'll get down with your bad self, uh, I will use the muddy waters of Jordan to wipe you clean. Uh, what do you mean by the water? We can be made clean by the washing of the Word of God. You're hearing this word and it's producing healing if you'll be willing to dip in it. And so Naaman, oh this is it, Naaman went down and he got in front of it and he said I'm ready to humble myself and he dipped and nothing happened and he dipped and nothing happened and he dipped and nothing happened. The fourth dip, nothing happened. Fifth dip, nothing happened. Sixth dip, nothing happened because here's the truth. Most of us dip for change. But that's not where you find healing. We don't dip for change. We dip until it changes. That's got to be your resolve in the season of healing. That every service, I'm coming to dip. Every all worship experience, I'm coming to dip. Every all hallelujah, every serving opportunity, I'm going to use it to dip. Because when I dip, I never know which dip, but God will use a dip. And when I come out, he's going to restore you. He's going to heal you. He's going to take care of you. If you're thankful for a God that will use our humility to bring himself glory for a testimony to the world, World. Somebody ought to give him praise. And if you're able, I dare you to take just a second and just dip somewhere. Just dip somewhere. Because as you're dipping, God's bringing healing. Lift your hands. I prophesy right now that wherever you are watching me, that you are taking the right path in healing. And that when you come up out of this thing, God is going to restore you. And it's going to be as if the leprosy was never there. The issue was never there. God is about to heal your life. If you believe it, shout type proclaim amen somebody give him praise for healing that's on the way so ladies and gentlemen as we close the message God sent this preacher in the early parts of this season of healing to tell you that before we go healing others God wants to heal you the secret sin the stuff that you've not confronted, the stuff that you've buried for years, the leprosy that's eating away at who you really are. God brought this preacher to tell you it's time to confront it. Because if you'll be willing to confront it, the Lord told me to tell you, this is your last day with leprosy. If you'll get down with your bad self, God's going to raise you up.
I declare in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift your hands if you can right there. I feel a river of healing. A Jordan River healing moment. The river of healing is flowing over top of you. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Word of God is coming right to your heart and life. Come on, why don't you take a second right there and whatever the issue is that you need healing from, freedom over, deliverance in, in the name of Jesus, I declare healing comes to it right now. As you confront it, it's, it can be hurtful, it can be tough, but right now in the name of Jesus, I declare healing is coming to you right there where you are. Father, I pray healing. I pray deliverance. I pray, Lord, that they would get down and that you would raise them up in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Listen, thank you so much for watching this word today. Thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing right here at Calvary. This is a season of healing. We want to find healing, become healed, and then become healers to somebody else. But all that is contingent upon a moment like today where you find healing within yourself. If you're watching me today and you don't know Jesus, you can find the ultimate healing, the healing of your soul, purchased by Jesus for the redemption of mankind. So if you're watching me today and you don't know Jesus, just simply right there where you are, repeat this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my heart today. Save me. Heal me. I say, I'm sorry for my sin. Come live on the inside of me. Change me from the inside out. And I'll serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching. We love you. Stay safe. And we will see you soon right here at Calvary Christian Center. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for today's message. You can continue to be a part of all that God is doing here at Calvary Christian Center. You can text to give at 386-866-3060, or you can give at calvaryfl.com give. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and also for you to share this podcast with your community, your family, and your friends. Again, thank you for joining us.